0: One, what's going on, everybody? You've got the Cardboard Coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, we have an emergency podcast on our hands. And I have here Mr. Bill from EFIS Pitch here to discuss a uh, very... I guess something that's happening in the present moment and something that, I mean, greatly affects our hobby. Bill, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate Appreciate it. Appreciate the uh, the, uh, coming on board and looking forward to this conversation.
0: You know, as someone who regularly discusses uh, pertinent topics, I'm talking about you, uh, in an educated manner, who has, you know, a great deal of knowledge in the sports car space, I was like, you know what? Like, I think we should have this conversation and uh, really kind of come to some sort of conclusions together. I mean, not to that you and I have this great pole in the hobby, but you know, perhaps yeah. if we can, if we can formulate our thoughts and um, you know, come come to some sort of conclusions, like maybe we can build from here, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. we can uh, learn from this experience. And, and for those of you who are tuning in, who are kind of in the dark right now, I mean, I don't know how you're part of the space and don't know, but that's okay. That's what we're here for uh, over the weekend. Uh, Darren Revelle broke a story on Action Network uh, regarding the it was a Michael Jordan supposed game used jersey that had sold at auction. I believe back in June, the jersey sold for twenty six thousand dollars, despite there being reports of it being game used. The reason why it sold for so little was because they were unable to photo match that jersey to a specific game. And again, for those of you who are unaware of what photo matching is, basically someone takes photographs from in in game or, or broadcast footage and much like a fingerprint is able to identify key components of that Jersey or, or piece of memorabilia and match it up to a specific event in which the, the the player or person has worn it. Um, Long story short, uh, the Jersey was then authenticated by one of the premier authenticators, my gray using two photos that were later found out to be doctored photos submitted by a dead photographers foundation that was created a month after that Jersey had been purchased. And as it looks right now, based on a mountain of evidence, it looks like the friendly neighborhood watchdog. Card porn was at the middle of all of this in some capacity, whether that is was him directly submitting the photos and purchasing the item, whether he was working with another individual or individuals, or maybe there's multiple individuals behind this card porn account. Uh, It it seems very clear, especially because he has since or they have since deleted all of their social media surrounding sports cards. Um, you know, along with a handful of other evidence, he was also in the office of My Gray uh, with the Jordan jersey. He attempted to submit photos to PSA, those exact photos, actually, allegedly at the national um, in order for them to authenticate those. And and they denied those. And so what we're on here today to discuss is, you know, not so much the authentication of that jersey itself, but how we kind of allowed this anonymous entity to come into the space and, and to gain notoriety and to operate freely uh, to the point where I, they almost pulled off one of the biggest scams in, you know, potentially the, the sports and memorabilia industry ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the capacity, the capacity point sort of, you know, co is the point um, in my, from my point of view, um who is this person we 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 think it's this juan garcia guy who has i think an australian uh nationality but has a place in california but the capacity which he was operating i think is the central question to this entire story because as you point out um he sort of sits in the middle of a lot of sort of concentric circles that that maintain a lot of influence in the hobby um you know and and i think there's you know there's a lot of sort of in a co- interconnected events that have happened the last couple years where he has really been a central figure, uh, in all of this. And so I think, you know, peeling back the onion around, um, you know, is he a lone wolf? Is he working with organized crime? Is he working with, you know, some of these other influencer types at grander conspiracies? I would, I would guess, and I think this has been, you know, advanced by some other people, um, if you're in the fraud, the fraud business, the, the first thing that you don't, you're going to fraud is not a million dollar Jordan Jersey. Um, and there is a, you know, a paper trail, which, you know, is sort of coming back to like going back to 2021 where the same individual was, you know, counterfeiting Jordan autograph star cards and passing them off with what looks like legitimate, um, you know, Beckett, uh, raw car review, uh, uh you know items so it that that to me is is the story and the only story i mean i think there are there are aspects around the authentication process that are interesting to know but i think that anytime you have a market that as you pointed out where an an item that's not photo matched but it's supposedly game used can be x value and you know magically be worth 20 or 30 x the value, if a, if a photograph can be authenticated by one or two different authentication sources, you're just opening the door to fraud. Um the the, 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 the the sort of like financial gain is so advanced and so quick that it's sort of worth the risk for a certain segment of the
0: population. Well, not to mention you kind of pass the buck once someone else authenticates it, right? Like if you exactly. somehow, someway get some way get one of these companies with, you know, the notoriety in the space that are, you know, people have, have widely regarded as, as the company to go to once that, that buck is passed. Uh, I mean, unless someone catches you in that initial exchange, it's very hard to tie you to it. I mean, think about the, the Logan Paul, uh, the BBC wrapped box yeah, of, of right. first edition Pokemon. I mean, how many times did that box change hands and yes, I mean, I you know, the Internet sleuths managed to tie it to, let's say, one specific individual, but we still don't know who that person is. Right. Um, And it's changed hands so many times. You have no idea how far along the chain that that thing was was essentially like fraudulently submitted. And then because it was given that that stamp of approval, I mean, it, it, where where who do we go after? You know, like how do, that's how, right. Where do the rep, rep where, who gets reprimanded here?
1: Yeah, and it's and that's sort of like the original sin of of some of these markets, right? Is that it does the the the, the buck does get passed, and and then all of a sudden it, it sort of takes a life of its own. And um, you know, there's been a lot of people that I think have compared the situation to the art market. And I do look, there are some kind of parallels that exist, but Providence plays a lot bigger role in the art market than it does in the card and memorabilia market. I mean, for one thing, it's it's a market that's existed for thousand plus years. Yeah, um, you know, for the second reason is because there are, you know, things, um, you, know, you know, there are government agencies, for an example, and we'll probably get into this, that that have a vested interest in in making sure that market is sort of as clean as it can be. Do right. I think that there's fraud that still exists in the art market? Absolutely. But would I buy a Picasso painting today without a direct line of providence that ties it back to the artist or or a gallery that that artist worked with? I I would not, right? And and I think this idea. Um, that there are these you know thousands of Jordan jerseys or thousands of Kobe jerseys that are just lying in people's basements, waiting to be discovered through two or three photos and create thirty times the value. I, I just I, that's a I think that's there's a very kind of loose foundation around that hypothesis. and And I think there's far too many people that I think have invested a lot of their time and money. In, in, in sort of not exploiting that advantage, but but sort of leaning on that to create provenance in a way that, frankly, I think is is pretty hard to verify.
0: I think that's entirely true when it comes to game use memorabilia. But I think it becomes a lot more difficult when it comes to sports cards. Because yeah. it, it is somewhat likely that, you know, a card like a Mickey Mantle, for instance, has been sitting in a basement for 60 plus years un, unta- untapped. Now, like, is the likelihood still small? Probably. Right. But yeah. I mean, depending on the collector, depending on on the storage situation, depending on uh, who is rifled through that stuff and, and, and in what time, like having a high grade vintage card pop up out of, out of nowhere is way more likely than I think, you know, to your point, having like a, a game used Michael Jordan jersey, like where you don't know where this thing has come from, where it's just popped up out of the blue. That's right. I mean, you That's have to right. assume that several people have tried to authenticate that jersey in the past, right? Like uh, otherwise it wouldn't be selling for $26,000.
1: You, you would think so. Right. I mean, why why would you why would you then, you know, I mean, it, it, it just feels like if that's the delta that exists between it being verified and not, it feels like you would go to the ends of the earth to try to get that
0: done. And for reference, for those of you who are listening, the, there was a 98 uh, finals jersey worn by Michael Jordan that sold for over 10 million dollars. So, you know, the difference between $26,000 and $10 million is a piece of paper, basically, right? Is is that photo matching? So that's the fact that, you know, someone hasn't gone to the ends of the earth to photo match this specific thing and is instead saying like, I'll take the 26K, it should be an indicator. That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, how did we get here in the first place, right? Like, how do we get to a point where this this account uh, was able to grow without ever showing their face, uh, was able to associate with the right individuals in the space. Hell, they were even able to pull a prominent card from auction at Golden, essentially, uh, which resulted in a lawsuit. And I'm actually very curious to see what happens now with the Spiegel brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Spin- Spinatron posted something, I think I believe it was yesterday, um, essentially bringing the question, What was it CardPorn's maybe play to discredit that patch and potentially buy it on the lows. You know, maybe they had doctored those original photos in the first place. Maybe they were the ones that submitted those photos to blowout form um, or fabricated that evidence in this case, in order to buy that card on the lows and then potentially resell it when, you know, magically that that information had, had disappeared.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, the, the sort of origin story of how we got here is, is very interesting to all of this. I mean, I think, you know, this is an individual that, you know, hadn't been sort of a, a social a, a social media figure, you know, for a long time. Um, for what I understand, he sort of entered the hobby, right, when it started to really pick up steam. Um, you know, it should be noted that that Juan has other sort of social media assets, including food, porn, and a few other uh, uh, web uh, social media platforms that have an excess of millions of followers um you know to tor- sort of translate in, that into an account with a hundred thousand um, to sort of just given his influence with with you know even something like Instagram isn't a stretch of the imagination right and there are obviously ways in which you you can buy followers um, that you know can can super elevate your presence o- online I do think that, that that part of what happened here, was you know there was so much sort of momentum that was happening and in many cases like you know social media was kind of social media was sort of at the front end of a lot of this stuff and a lot of you know whether it's auction houses or the manufacturers themselves they're sort of playing catch up with where popular culture was heading sort of in that kind of pre-covid and post-covid era and i think this this individual or individuals um, was well placed to sort of take advantage of that momentum, and through their clout, right, through through their presence, you know, elevate certain taglines and certain agendas that benefited certain people in the hobby. I think there's just there's no question about that. Um, and I think it's true that for 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 each of us, right, and for for a lot of the folks in the in the in the market, um, you know, it was it was a pretty intoxicating thing, right? This person seemed to have you know, call it elite level access to a lot of these places, uh, an inside track on a lot of things, um, that were of top of mind to hobbyists. The obviously he or she obviously had a, a very kind of strong personality and, and, you know, look at his face to say this, this person is not a dumb person, right. Yeah. Um, they're quick witted. Um, they were not afraid to sort of be aggressive, even if it was misplaced. So I think all these things sort of lend itself to this caricature, um, and I think to a certain degree, the whole anonymity point was one that we didn't push uh, too much against, because I think that people still really value the privacy. And social media is, for a lot of people, not notwithstanding you and I, an, an escape, a form of escapism. Yeah. And and part of that escapism is is around being private, right? And you know, one of the things, frankly, I enjoy most about you know utilizing social media for cards, for an example, is that. You know, it allows me to do that in a way that I can kind of share it with a bunch of other people that are otherwise not known to me. Yeah. For the reason that most of my friends that know in the car business think I'm nuts. Yeah. Right. They don't have that, they don't have that same passion. And I and I get it. I don't hold that against them. But anyway, I think I think there was just a sort of a confluence of events that happened that sort of helped elevate this persona. And the person was obviously savvy enough to exploit those advantages um, in in a lot of different ways.
0: I I would agree with you. I also think that, you know, you kind of touched on this early in the episode. I think the lack of regulation and the lack of, I mean, there was no, there's no authority figure in the space, right? And so he kind of self-appointed him. Like, I mean, you self-appoint the hobby watchdog. He was the the person for the people, you know, he was the person Mm -hmm. that if someone had gotten scammed or, you know, some some collusion had taken place or uh, he was the person that you would either tag or would, you know, go after an individual like this. Uh, and it was made to seem as though this person was, you know, had, had the hobbies back. And, you know, you have to start wondering now, like, was the hobbies lust for some sort of a being to, have a little bit more control than than what has like what's currently in place. Does that have some, is that a massive factor? I I, I think it's, I think it's
1: a really interesting and astute point. I mean, one of the, you know, one of the, my favorite sayings is, uh, even if you're an atheist, you still worship something. Yeah. Um, And I think that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, his, his sort of presence, I think really spoke to, what i think a lot of us have felt for some time whether you've been in a hobby for 30 years or three months and that is there's just sort of this specter of crumminess that exists in a lot of the corners of this industry right and um it seems like every other day you're you're reading about some sort of scam uh you know you know we can talk about maybe the pack odd stuff that i've covered before you, you know it's like this is an industry that that almost fights tooth and nail against transparency in all of its forms. Yeah. You know, it, it sort of exists, uh, it, you know, it, it, under the veil of, of a lack of transparency. And I, mean, I, the, I think the there's massive
0: problems the, with that. The premier, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the, like the premier Dr- uh, grading company gives you a grade and and no explanation whatsoever. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and look, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, like, you know, people like card porn, I mean, it, it, he he has a psychopathic personality, right? I mean, and and Pat Pat Ryan has talked about this, right? I mean, you know, it's 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 not surprising to me that he wanted to position himself as a watchdog. It's not surprising to me that he had this like Cards for Kids initiative, right? It's like sometimes the people that most purport themselves to be virtuous are the scummiest people on the freaking planet, right? And and they hide behind these sort of veils of of virtue. Uh, and they do a lot of virtue signaling, as you're aware of, right? Calling people out, you know, uh, making fun of, you know, people making fun of women breaking and stuff like that, even though his name is card porn. Um, because they they live sort of on that virtue, but it provides them the sort of air cover to bunch of do a bunch of nefarious stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's why I think in some cases, like nobody thought to question what he or she was doing or they were doing. Um, because I think that the default for most people was like, well, if he says he's the watchdog, then he's the watchdog.
0: I feel like there's like a, there's almost like a Robin hood type feel to this. Do you know, like, you know, where like, he's like, you know, robbing, like robbing the rich and like saving the poor. You know what I mean? Like he was like for the people. And you know, if you want to spend $2 million on this Jersey, go for it. I mean, think of the things that he was allegedly you know, caught up in, I mean, you're talking about a a multi-million dollar Jersey, potentially the average everyday person isn't going to be affected by that. You know, Jordan autograph, Jordan star autograph cards. Again, like the everyday person is probably not going to be a part of that. Right. But the everyday person is on board for, you know, if if, if there's a breaker on a stream, pulling a card off screen, like being called out for that. Cause it's way more likely that that'll happen. I mean,
1: outside, outside of obviously eBay. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't think it's, it, it, you know, for, for your audience that, that may not know sort of the timeline events here, I mean, this is a person who had part of his collection sponsored in a specific auction by Golden, one of the leading auction houses in the country. Yeah. Right. This is a person who broke millions of dollars of wax with Drake, one of the most famous people on the planet, and Golden I believe in Toronto or maybe in Vegas, I forget which. Not, I no idea. Here's this is the same person that was like walking around Dr. Beckett's man cave and looking at his priceless collection of cards, the week of the national. Okay. So, like, this is not just like some innocent, you know, bystander, like <laughs> a guy like you and I is just like trying to, you know, whatever. I mean, this this is like a central figure. And like the question that we should be asking to Ken and to Nat and to Cage and all these other people that at one point in time were pumping this guy up is, what do you know about him? What's your relationship? What's the nature of your relationship? What's the economic re- nature of your relationship? What items did he win in your auctions and what items did he submit without us knowing, right? This is the sort of thing where if, if we had any regulation, any serious regulation in this industry, that's the sort of question the feds would be asking.
0: I mean, he's right? literally sold cards with Ken Golden. So it's not like he doesn't know who this person is. Exactly. Or not 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 just cards, like pieces of like uh, no, you know, Ken pop has, culture. Ken has, like
1: Ken has a bank address. Yeah. Right. He's got addresses. He's got his social or whatever the Australian equivalency is, right? Like all those things exist. Okay. And and yet who's been silent through this whole thing? This is why I put that meme out about him sweating bullets. Yeah. He better be sweating bullets, right? Because if this becomes an international conspiracy, there's only so many degrees of separation exist in some of these situations. And that's well, what we sort of need to get a hold of.
0: It's going to be a completely different Netflix documentary if that keeps. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ain't that the truth. <laughs> but I mean, this. listen, I, I, I've I spent, you know, I've I've spent 20 plus years in the financial markets, I buy companies for a living, I I know what it means to deal with the, the SEC and, and, you know, other sort of governing bodies. And I have to say, like, you know, coming back into this hobby a couple of years ago, and just learning what I now know, um, this industry is like organized crimes, wet dream. Um, Almost on, almost ha- any way you look at it. Right. I mean, the lack of transparency, the, the fact that it, it mostly is sort of cash based. Right. Um, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the whole setting of private comps, the shill bidding, the just the ability to sort of recycle dirty money. Right. I mean, it, it is just and, and again, it, it, it and, and all the constituents that have a major role to play. And I'll, I'll be covering this soon. So whether it's the manufacturers themselves whether it's the auction houses or the grading companies or the breaking operations, right? They all have a vested interest to keep it that way. Transparency is a problem for each of those businesses for different reasons, right? But those the, the collection of those reasons as a consumer, and I think even more importantly as a collector, are the things that we should start demanding. Because if we don't get it, this is going to continue to perpetuate itself because here's what i'd say like our ability to sort of self police this behavior is almost non existent it's complete if if the hobby watchdog castrates himself it's non existent and so we you know again i'm a small government guy right i don't like government in my shorts don't get me yeah. wrong
0: yeah
1: but i i'd say that there, there's there is there is this, this industry provides i think the best case that i've seen for consumer protection and i think it's particularly true because a lot of the participants in this hobby are children and kids yeah i mean i you, you know it's like i i did this thing you know you, you probably saw uh how many tops prone products exist it's a 13 it's 10. So. right 75 percent of the participants got that wrong how many how many tops chrome parallels, gold pal- parallels exist, right? 60% of the audience got it wrong, 14. And and the amount of people that just like threw my DMs were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. It was sort of like, it's one of those things, right? It's like, you just ca- sort of get like stuck in a cycle. It's, like, oh, this product and this product and this product and this product and this and this and that. And all of a sudden you like, when you start to finally take a deep breath and you say, wait a minute, what's really going on here? Like I like gold reflectors, but like are all gold refractors Trade equal. Probably not, actually. Yeah. Right. So I just think it's just one of those things where I, I I've I've long advocated for, you know, more transparency, um, more regulation in this industry because I feel like that's sort of what's standing in the way of, of of creating more sort of serious. This is creating this into something to be more serious, right? Well,
0: we we talk about it being an asset class, right? Like that was like yeah. the, the huge topic of discussion. There were many advocates for you know sports cards being an asset class and and in fact that they being equally as liquid as something like a stock right. um <laughs> right and and so how how does that even happen without regulation do you know what i mean like uh, it, every single market that like there's something there's an asset class in there's there's a regulation so let's talk a little bit about regulation what would regulation look like in order to further further the hobby from something like this happening again or just further so, the hobby along in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll cover. I'll cover it in sort of from a yeah. constitu- constituency perspective. Um, I, I think what it means for manufacturers is is the following. Um, much more in the way of transparency. I mean, is is one part of that equation, of course. Tops has done that, but but Panini to date has not.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So that needs to be sort of known. Um, I would argue that they need to take it a step further, and instead of letting sort of trading card database and baseball cardpedia, whatever, they should have an encyclopedia as a reference point for their cards, right? That would include things like print runs, right? Um, and 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 look, they 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 sit on all this information already, and so they should go so far as to sort of rebuild it as 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 far back as they can, because yeah. this this is sort of like to me, that that's that's information that sort of the hobby should own, okay? Because it's bedrock to everything that we do. But part of like I, I've long thought about you know creating a a data and analytics company that instead of like today, which is like hyper focused on price, yeah to have a data analytics company that's hyper focused on information itself, right? The problem is is that so long as the manufacturers are the gatekeepers of that information, they have a ventures in. They may have a vested interest in not allowing you to have that information almost at any price. Yeah, and therefore the whole you know the whole specter of trying to do it uh, is moot. Um, but I think for the manufacturers, it's it's about transparency in uh, production, and it's about uh, educating consumers on what they're buying. Okay, um, and then I think there has to be I think an overlay of um, sort of quality control. Um, you know, you know, I, I've talked about this before where, um, there's a correlation between, uh, print runs and quality control, right? I mean, there's only so much you can do when you get to these nodes levels to, to control quality in a certain way. If, yeah. if your objective is to sell more products, but I do think that there's, there could be regulation to monitor that in a bit where like we had with last year's 2022 tops Chrome, you know, every parallel in that freaking set is off-centered. It's yeah. like, it's absurd, right? It, it almost, you almost have to flip a coin whether or not you're going to get a, a centered card. don't uh, yet, in there- the
0: case of, of like Redemptions where, I mean, you might be buying a product because a popular player is the rookie autograph is in there. Uh, maybe the, the rookie autograph didn't make it into the product in time. Sometimes you're not getting that back. I mean, one one product that comes to mind is uh, the, the basketball product that featured lamella ball i believe it was prism 2020 yeah. if i'm not mistaken you know lamella ball at the time was a very high prospect uh all of his rede- all of his autos were redemptions you know the price per box you would have to assume is because the yeah. most prominent player had autographs in that box and theoretically it, they technically did in the form of redemptions but uh, many people didn't see those redemptions for two years right so like how you yeah know, I, think, almost... I think i think
1: that i think the federal response to that code would be that they would go away yeah i mean i'd have to look at the consumer level around this but i think like it's the almost misle- code... it has
0: to be misleading right like yeah, you're paying I mean, 1200 dollars for something that you might never get like even yeah, if you I mean, do the odd chance win it it's like it's like a next level skill testing question you know how like at the end of like winning something you got yeah. a yeah a lot of skill testing questions like this is like that times a million this <laughs> is like
1: there, there yeah there I, I would imagine there has to be other case law around consumer finance uh, around the delivery of goods that would apply to a situation like that um that would prohibit them from sort of not delivering or or not having sort of the goods in hand
0: like within a time frame at least right yeah. like like instead yeah. of right now it's like until further notice a 6 month time frame or 3 month time frame or 9 month time frame or something that's you know, somewhat reasonable versus there are people who have outstanding redemptions for 11 years, 10 years. That's right.
1: I I think the other thing they, they, you know, I think, and I think technology can kind of help allow for this. I mean, I think they would have to tighten up a lot of the language around the patch space. Right. So, you know, um, it, it would just have to be a lot tighter. Right. What game was it worn? If it was event, what event was it? You know, I mean, the, these are things I that don't I think, think that's that difficult. It's it. No, it's not. And right? the, 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 I think as we go through these constituents, the, the fact of the matter is, goes like none of this stuff is really that difficult. Yeah. Right. And and I think there's been a lot of people that have come to me as I've sort of advanced some of this stuff and said they'll, they'll never do it. It's too, and, and the reason is because it's too difficult. And I think, look, look, if the CFSB, like in the United States, the Consumer Finance uh, Protection Bureau can, you know, monitor and legislate the U S financial system from a consumer related perspective, they can tackle the hobby. Okay. Like this is not that hard. So I think that's the sort of manufacturer point. I think on the auction houses, um, there needs to be a unified registration system for bidding, right? So if you're going to bid on items for pick your dollar amount, $5,000 or more, there's a unified registration system that exists where you co have a specific user ID, is tied back to whatever your government user id is right and that is known by other users okay so, so it's like you're knowing knowing
0: goal, who's who owes what or who yeah, owns so what it's like yeah, a, it, yeah
1: and, and it's like and that and those and that user id should be tied to not just the bidders themselves but the cards and those options
0: yeah i mean ideally across but, platforms too and, right? and across like, no that's yeah, that's why
1: it needs to be yeah, that's why the government yeah. needs to run it right yeah. because it would be like if you're user a and i'm user b okay and you know we've got cards and like let's say you're selling cards in pwcc and i'm selling cards in golden and we're bidding on each other's cards right yeah you and i should have at least one identifier to know that each other is doing that
0: yeah
1: right and and there should be an ability to go into a golden and search for cards by user id who's selling what cards right is somebody holding like six of a by ten parallel that they're all trying to dump at once are they building on their same card, right? I mean, again, the just some a simple fix like that, which again, the auction houses would never go for Ever. unless they're forced to do it. Yeah, solves a, a, a boatload of the problems that exist in this space. Um, so I think that's on the auction houses. That's one thing, right? I think that would be impossible to legislate at eBay, but I do think in in the auction houses themselves, that next level of security would be important. Um. I I also think, you know, on the auction houses themselves, I think just better transparency uh, around listings uh, needs to happen, right? I mean, there are many times where I'll go and, like, the, the, the listing itself is so generic as to be laughable, right? Like, and this is where I think... The, Do you the, think the, it's
0: because they want to make it more searchable? I'm not
1: sure, actually.
0: Okay.
1: I'd, I'd want to know. I'd love to talk to somebody about it.
0: Yeah.
1: But I think this is where, like... The carry-on effect of having the, the database functionality at the manufacturers allows the auction houses to have a seamless experience for the auction house
0: port that information over boom.
1: Yeah. right boom yeah um the next is the grading companies so i think uh you know as as i think about register you know uh, legislation or regulation in that space i think it's about um how do you um how do you ensure again from a user registration perspective Things like the same serial numbered card isn't submitted eight times, for an example.
0: Yeah, I think that they're getting better at that now. Like yeah. I, I've heard now I heard this from a secondary source. So, I mean, I don't know if it's entirely true, but someone had mentioned to me that they attempted to they sent in, like, I think it was an eight. Like it was a card number to five or number to ten they cracked the card out it was a psa eight. they cracked it out they resent it in and psa sent it back to them in the same with the same serial number the first one had mm, so they were good. like they were like this is already in the system as this here you go you know like and they were kind of like taken back by that they were like what the hell so uh, now that i think they're scanning things i think it's more likely to get things like serial serially numbered cards uh you know pretty good across the board now of course there's no cohesion between PSA, SGC, and BGS, right. right? So, you know, if, if a card is marked altered, let's say with one company, it won't be all altered with another one potentially, right? Yeah. And, you know, a variance in grades also exists at that same capacity.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think that the the, the grading companies would be the hardest to regulate because... And, and, and I think they'd have a very strong legal case for us. What they would say to a company and to a man and woman is um you're paying for our opinion yep and and i they there is a lot i mean and again i'm not i'm not saying it's it's wrong right or indifferent there's a lot of legal sort of um there's a lot of legal backdrop that supports that sort of um perspective so I, I think that would be the hardest to legislate. And none um, of them are
0: liable though, right? Like none of them have insurance policies except for PSA has a very...
1: Yeah, but even PSAs, right? I mean, the, the issue with any sort of guarantee and Dave, you know, Science Lab has talked about this, right? Um, And, I, and I've dealt with this with other sort of guarantee related products. Yeah. Um, the, the, the way in which you manage a, a guarantee policy is you make the guarantee experience so arduous and over time so expensive that the the sort of teeth of the guarantee go away right yeah. so imagine for an example um you know you bought a, a card that um ended up becoming for some odd reason a known fake and um but you're like the sixth per- person to own the card uh since it was originally slapped yeah. right H- how do you it's like reparations like how do you how do you how do you like tie that back right who gets what how is that card made whole right I mean and again like I, I guess don't, the registry
0: uh, is one way of like establishing ownership right and I think that's not enough people take advantage of the registry uh, yeah I, I, yeah
1: I, I think that's one of the you know the least utilized but most important yeah. tools that those guys provide I yeah. agree
0: yeah because I at think. least there's a transparency on who owns what and like once it once I mean I've had it happen to me where I've sell a card and I forget to remove it from my registry and, and I get a notification on my phone saying, Hey, so-and-so tried to add this to the registry. Like, and then I just yeah. accepted and I'm like, yeah, no worries. We're good. And so at least you have some sort of transparency in terms of like, like ownership there.
1: Yeah. And again, I think this is where like, even the, again, the the registration system would be impactful, right? Because sometimes I just forget to do it, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing in the form where you can just like click a button and all of a sudden just, you know, just loads adds up. everything to your account. Yeah, I mean like that yeah. should be so easy. Right. Yeah. And again, I think part of this is complicated by the fact that you've got, you know, group subs who, you know, maintain a lot of control in the hobby, but it, it shouldn't matter if you have a, if you have a universal ID, you have a universal ID and that should be used, you know, in the case of group subs or individual subs.
0: Yeah.
1: The, 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 and then the final category that I mentioned earlier um, around regulation would be breaking. and, uh, look I, I I think this is obviously an industry that's in its very early days of, of maturation um we shouldn't be surprised that there's you know pitfalls and stuff like that I would I would generally say that that most braking operations are are in it for customer service and customer service a, 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 as its first instance and that's great but I think that you know having 360 degree video monitoring um a you know specific set of guidelines and rules around transparency for slot pricing, right? Um, So you can limit manipulation. Again, unified registration system. So you limit, you know, XYZ breaks and half the pool is filled by other people that work at the break, for example, right? You know, the registration system will require you to, 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 you know, acknowledge affiliations, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think a uniform set of packaging standards. I mean, I've heard some horror stories of people getting paralleled cards and bags and just stupid shit. Right. And that stuff has got it. You know, I think there's a, there's a way to to regulate that. Do you Um, think
0: that fanatics has the capability and or desire to regulate in that manner? I
1: think that's where they will take control of the market. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that's exactly what I, like when you start, when you're talking about how to regulate breaking and certain standards and I know, I know that Fanatics Live is in its infancy, and but I guarantee you that, like, I mean, the way that they've been very selective on who's able to break on the app, um, I, I suspect they're going to continue to do something of that nature and it's going to be very exclusive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because there's not going to be any more business-to-business transactions, I mean, th- this is what you get if you want to break with someone, unless you want to buy from a secondary market, well, and- which, in which case it's like... The person selling to you is at risk of kind of maybe losing their license with fanatics or, uh, but also it's kind of like user beware, right? Like you're, it's almost like buying uh medic, like medication from someone off the street versus the pharmacy, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like, such a good analogy. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, and, and and like the, 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 the thought experiment I've played for people is think about other sort of consumer related um, products and 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 like and then just like let's se- like think about the last ten years, and think about the power of having a consumer product like two or three weeks before anybody else does, right? Like yeah. I, you know, you, you're probably a video game guy. I'm a video yeah. game guy, right? I mean, you know, it's gotten to the point now where people pay, in some cases, twenty or thirty percent to play the game three days before. Yeah, well,
0: well like FIFA, FIFA I, is a massive one like that, right? Right, like right. Like so it's... like,
1: what what if what, what's stopping fanatics from like? I mean, I, I like uh, uh, Stephanie and like mom breaks like, yeah, hey, Stephanie, like you're going to have 30 day early access to Top's Chrome. I mean, game over, dude.
0: I mean, especially in the manner in which they, they print product like no one's going to be ripping Top's Chrome in 30 days. Do you know what I mean? Like they might still yeah. be a little bit, but there's going to there's like two more. There's two more products that follow that up within 30 days. It's this game. It's game over. Yeah. It's game over. Right. So,
1: okay. I, yeah, I, I look, I so I would, I, I think that frankly, if that's the, deci- the the decision they decide to do, which I think is, is probably smart, that decision will have a way of regulating the market itself.
0: So, do you think that if and when there's regulation with the breaking, that then they have the ability to kind of pull other regulations in the direction that they want or other regulatory, possibly. right? Because, I mean, if you control, well, product- I think- <laughs> Right. Like if I, you control I, theoretically you're controlling product. Right. And and how that product is distributed. I mean, it's kind of like my rules or see you later.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think that, you know, and I, I'm not saying that Ruben and team have, have, you know, miscalculated in this way and and maybe secretly they wish for it, but anytime you see massive sort of consolidation of power in an industry, uh, it starts to garner the attention of regulators. Yeah. Um, you know, this is true obviously in, in the banking industry. It's been true in other industries, it's been true in the auto industry and a few others. And you know, our I think, you know, while it's a small sort of piece of the economy, um, I think that, you know, part of this sort of consolidation effort led by fanatics and frankly by you know collectible, um allow the sort of ability to regulate to be a lot more seamless, right? Because they don't have to deal with a bunch of you know they don't have to deal with brian gray and, and yes. bullshit. they yeah. can they can go straight to the source and, and cover most of the market as a result and and that's what i think that they'll do and and again i think it's like one of those things where because people have kind of dismissed this idea that i've had for some time now it it's only going to take somebody with too much money and too much time and the right connections in places like washington to get burned really bad for this to be a serious problem for people. Because once that happens, I mean, I, again, I've got some friends that work in Washington. Once that, once that snowball starts rolling down the Hill, it's very hard to stop it. And look, I, again, I'm a small government guy and I, and I, at this point in time, I'd welcome it for all the reasons that we've discussed today.
0: I think there's a lot. I mean, I, you know, based on some of the arguments that you've made, I, I can definitely see why it would be beneficial to have some sort of governing body. And as and, and also it's like a very, like, I mean, I think that the less government involvement is probably the best in generally when it comes yes. to everyday life. Um, I, You know, I think that part of this whole thing as well, I mean, we talk a little bit about transparency. There's just overall a lack of information for yes. collectors right and like yes. i'm not even talking like short-term information i'm not even talking like like current information because i think that like current information there's probably never been more of but even like in past instances or you know to your point like past print runs um you yeah. know like where can collectors go for this information and i think that's another reason why people kind of glommed on to card porn because there was I mean, they would bring up instances in the past occasionally where like, like, don't forget when like so-and-so, when this happened and when this happened. And so, you know, maybe if it's not talking about specific instances, but, Mm -hmm. you know, even to your point, like creating an encyclopedia, like there's just not enough information for the everyday collector to make educated decisions in the space, I don't think.
1: No, I mean, it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because I I had a friend of mine, sort of a An old college buddy who, you know, we just kind of kept up, you know, over the years, um, he lives now in, in Maryland. And, um, he called me up randomly like a week ago and was like, Hey, you know, I, I, I know that you're sort of into this card thing and, you know, I've got a 12 year old son and, you know, and I, and I'm, but I'm like completely lost. And, you know, I I was hoping to kind of get like 30 minutes of your time to like talk about it. And I said, okay, well, can you tell me, tell me a little bit about like your experience so far. And he talked about how, you know, his son has what, you know, it was on, you know, whatnot or whatever. Yeah. Is it whatnot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and like, it's also crazy
0: person, that a 12 year old is like, like just buying like cards at auction or whatnot,
1: but it's yeah, okay. super, but yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh, and he's on whatnot and he's, you know, on these breaks and yada, yada, yada. And he's, and he's like, you know, I took, you know, I took that, you know, I took that experience and I'm like a, giants fan and so i participated in this break for this football product and i got this card and like sort of what do i do with it and i remember i i, I, I again this is it didn't happen that very long ago i mean i i remember thinking to myself like i need six hours <laughs> to tell you just like sort of the foundational things that i would have loved to have known three years ago
0: yeah
1: right and so if it's and this guy you know this guy's He's highly educated, right? He's got a lot of disposable income, right? And he is absolutely completely confused as just to lost. what to do. Yeah. Just completely lost, right? And, and again, like is a sort of person that will likely just spend money to spend money and then, you know, come up for air six months from now and be like, what the hell did I just do? Right. And in the process, his son's addicted to what, what not freaking breaks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things where you, you know, it, it I remember this guy's name is Brian. I remember telling Brian, like, Brian, just like, do me a favor. Call me, you know, at this date when I have more time, because like, I really want you to enjoy this. But you're not if you stay on this path. I mean, one of the things that I said coming out of the national is um, collecting is fun. The hobby makes it hard. Yeah. And that's so true. Right. It's so freaking much harder than it needs to be. And so much of that, I think, is, is, is the lack of investment that's been made by any one of these companies that right. we've talked about in the sort of foundational aspects of knowledge in the industry. If you can solve that problem, I mean, like, how much would you pay a month? to have at your fingertips, like an encyclopedia I, of cards.
0: I don't know, man, a lot more than people are paying for, for a card ladder, to be honest. Like, I yeah. mean, I think that's way more important than, than prices themselves, because then you can make your own educated, like, is this exactly. rare or not? Do you know what I mean? Like, is exactly. this rare or not? Uh, You know, maybe, maybe you have like number of sales or so, some, some feature like that. I don't know. But at the very least you just have like information. Like I remember I was trying to figure out what the first year of tops atomic refractors were. And uh, I I asked Adam and I was like, I, I must have dug online for I mean 20, 30 minutes. and like I know which sites are credible, do you know? like yeah. <laughs> when it comes to like sports cards, right? And even me, yeah. I was like, okay, like where is this information, right? And uh, and I was just like, this is, I can't imagine, first of all, the average person even knowing what an atomic refractor is, right? Like like zero chance, no zero. chance, right? Like sparkly yeah. refractor or something of that nature. I mean, occasionally they're labeled, but I don't think they are these days. Um It's just, I think it just says refractor, right? And then you would have to look at the pack odds, at least when it comes to tops products and figure out exactly what, what, what that refractor was. Uh, But in many cases, there's a lot of people that have no idea what like a no huddle is, or what's the difference between a, a first off the line box and a, and a hobby box. What's the difference between a mega box and a retail box, right? Like there's, there's so many things that I just think the average person who might want to get into the space or maybe does participate in the space, you know, we just assume should know. Yes. They have no access to that information whatsoever, unless they've been in the hobby for a considerable amount of time, in which case we're not doing a very good job of, of acclimating either new members or potential new members into the space.
1: hundred percent. I mean, I, again, I I think, I think it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the part of the hobby that needs the most investment and it has the least of it. That's what's so paradoxical. Right. And then, and I'm going to talk to somebody about this topic and, you know, in, in a future live or something, but, um, I mean, there's like, there's a couple sort of like cultural and societal reasons why like, this is such a problem. Right. And believe it or not, it ties back to something like fundamental, like the father son relationship to the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to grandstand or get political, but yeah. if you see, you know, as, as the sort of hot as, as the family breaks down, so does the hobby. Right. Because that link that exists between father and son, their collecting experience, how they enrich their their son or their daughter with that experience. Right. Once that link is broken. It's really, really hard to get it back. Right. And, 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 and unless you have something that sort of fuses it back together which I would argue is is this sort of knowledge repository. Yeah. It ain't going to happen, man. You know, we're going to wake up 10 years from now and people are going to be like, people were trying to buy, you know, pick your product, XYZ, poo-poo refractor. Like, what are people thinking? You know, I mean, that's that's the sort of, if you could predict the future, I think that's the sort of future that's going to come if if this isn't solved.
0: And that's what makes this hobby so susceptible to to fraudulent activities and, and like extreme swings in price. Like because it, because of a lack of knowledge, I think it's just so easy for, you know, someone to to simplify information for the everyday person. And all of a sudden, because it's simplified, people are like, I understand this. Give me one. Do you know, like it's yeah. like. It's yeah. so because it's been oversimplified and nothing in the space is and explained, you know, properly. It's like, Oh, I get it. Boom. Like I remember I made, I made the video about the John Morant parallel and yeah. uh, I don't own any of them. I don't know anyone that does like if you do congratulations, whatever, I don't care. But yeah, I just found it interesting that there was so many people on this card. Right. But just sharing that card, despite the Menendez brother having, I mean, there, we, we know about the 90 who uh, yeah. Menendez brothers card. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it had its day in the sun as well. But it's like if people don't know that that Menendez Brother card exists and that what that price point is and I would say like, you know, I, we don't know what the final print runs are for 90s hoops and you know, 2019 basketball chronicles. Right. But I, I would assume it. I mean, it's the same level of mass production, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. So generally speaking, I can't say that either of those is, is rarer than the other. But because People were pointed in the direction of one. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, I need this card!" And I'm like, "No, no, no, just wait." Like, I just, all I did was show you this this new piece of information about the card. I didn't necessarily say buy it. I also said, you know, just like, just to be aware that there are other cards like this exist. And I just in that moment, I saw how susceptible this hobby is to just kind of glomming on to, to a piece of mm-hmm. information because there's such a lack of it. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. It, it, and again, and we we again, this is more of a societal point. You know, we we society is, is changing in ways that it's moving so quickly we, we can't even react to it right yeah. so think about you know i made this thing about bob and the and the leopard print speedo the whole point of that was just say like when your attention span is this big yep yeah. the amount of information that can fit into it is very very small right and your ability just to focus take a step back And just understand what's happening around you is almost zero, right? And and so much of I think what draw what's been driving sort of hobby participation is that phenomenon, right? That's fueled by the ways in which these algorithms work and the way that social media is 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 programmed. Um,
0: Instant gratification, yeah. Thinkable breaks and hits and
1: yeah, and it just it just is it's it you know it's it's. Turning into us, bu- it's turning us into a bunch of maniacs, um, and and un- unthoughtful maniacs, and and it's like you know when is somebody just going to and this is why like listen I, this stuff is exhausting to me right I, I do have better uses of my time of course but I I see I see it so much around me I I feel like I have like an obligation whether it's to you or to Dave or other people just to say something because yeah. I look around me I mean the 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 the, the car porn is a great example of this like the story broke and it was like Twenty hours later, and nobody said anything.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I felt the same way. Where I was like, I just I was like felt, what the hell? I just I had to sit in my thoughts and like think about like how do we proceed here and like what do people yeah. need in this moment? Like what? Like how can we move out of this? Like how can we prevent? I mean, much of the que- the questions that we were asking at the beginning of this show, right? Like these are all things yeah. that were going through my head, and I'm like, how do we? How can we make this better? Maybe not instantly, but like in the future. And it's. Yeah, it's dude. Like it's it's nuts. But well, I mean, one thing's for sure, as long as we got you on the on on the side of of, you know, change then hopefully we're 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 going to be steered in the right direction. Bill, where can people find you if they, you know, want to see this encyclopedia when it gets built out, if they want, you know, I cre- first of all, I should uh, actually give you actually I'm going to give you my own plug. If you want creative stories if you want the opportunity to gain knowledge in the space uh whether it's from a reel or a poll where you know the results are shared and and percentages are calculated I would highly 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 recommend you follow ephis underscore pitch I got that right right you did thank you on Instagram you're very welcome uh and uh, Bill is uh, honestly one of the good one of the good ones for sure. Um thanks, Co. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Actually, man. Of course.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's it was it's been great to, to be on here. I'm glad we this is just the sort of topic that I think you and I can sink our teeth into. And and look, I think there'll be obviously a lot of talking heads around this subject. Um, but I hope that people sort of pay attention to a lot of what we talked about here, which is, you know, sort of don't get distracted by the the fringe elements of this conspiracy. Um, demand answers to the central problem that exists within it. Uh, and that is who is who is this person, who are they involved with, and what else do we need to know? That that to me, because I think if you can kind of unravel that, uh, we can maybe get this this kind of hobby back on track. Um, if not, then I think it'll just continue to repeat itself, and that's unfortunate.
0: I mean, it seems like it's like it's cyclical, right? Like it just yeah. seems like this yeah. something of this magnitude happens every ten years, fifteen years. It's different actors but same stuff roughly yeah, you know it is it is so no i couldn't agree more bill thanks again for joining today team i hope you enjoyed this week's episode like i said you have to go follow us follow efis pitch and uh for now coach co and uh bill are out of here
1: peace take care see you.